So hello and welcome one and all to this and special March edition of Frivolous Gravitas. I'm Chris Driver and with you is the indelible and delightfully charming Mr. Jordan Roy here with you today to cover the subject of skepticism. As usually, eh, as usual, we will start with our baseline of defining our terms. So I just pulled up a quick wiki here just to get us going. Uh, skepticism or skepticism, spelled with a K or C, is generally a questioning uh, attitude or doubt towards one or more putative. I should have read this first, eh? Putative. Putative. That's a new one for me. Generally, yeah. a questioning attitude or doubt towards one or more putative instances of knowledge which are asserted to be more mere beliefs or dogma. Formally, skepticism is a topic of interest in philosophy, particularly epistemology. So, oh yeah, that's that's Wikipedia. Yeah, um, uh, what the, the Merriam-Webster has it: an attitude of doubt or a disposition to incredulity, either in general or towards a particular object, or. Uh, a doctrine of doubt and skepticism, which is science, which we'll be getting into. And doubt. the theory that certain knowledge is impossible is yeah. another definition I got. So this is just, uh, what do we, what would we call this? Um, uh, doubt with a method. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. Um, so like a purpose and not a wanton disbelief. Yeah. It's disbelief. It's orderly doubt. Yeah. <laughs> um, our definitions are better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we're done. This is the, yeah, we're done. Thanks for showing up. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So before we get started, uh, I'm sorry about the weight. Um, I've been moving as you can see, I'm not done moving. So, um, Hopefully we'll return to our regular broadcast schedule um, soon. Uh, but oh, that reminds me of the clips. We've had clips been issuing out, so yeah, by uh, popular demand, we've got short form editions of our wonderful podcast. Apparently, you guys have been watching those um, because they get pretty decent views. Actually, I don't know how. Have but, they? I don't know. They, they might just be the YouTube algorithm it thing. Might be like quicker views rather than you know more over time but yeah. uh i i've actually been watching them myself too because i'm just like whoa is that what we sound like uh because you know when you you actually do work and then you go back to the work and you're like how did i do this but you were so in the zone that you were working at a higher level because you got in there um mm. yeah so a bit of skepticism cre creeps in there eh? yeah was i talking like am i actually is that smart? really me <laughs> All right, so that's a nice little segue back to our actual topic. <laughs> um, so um, skepticism is definitely a huge part of our modern society. We, 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 before it was seen as like, oh, you're skeptical. Why don't you just go along with it? For the longest time, that was um, kind of the, it, it, was a, it was a thing of, I don't know, uh, people mistrusted skepticism. They were skeptical of skepticism. I mean, just fall in line because life's hard enough. We don't need to, you know, there's enough questions that we have here. We don't need to be asking new ones. Um, yeah, I think the general like perception of it by the public at large has been more like you're creating problems where there are none. Like don't be a squeaky wheel. If it doesn't need to be fixed, don't fix it. That kind of thing. Yeah. We already but know that the rain God's going to 
come in May. So why yeah. are you worried about it? It's like, what's well, this one story? And then they, you know, burn the heretic. Um, but I think that woefully dismisses the actual utility of skepticism, though, in that it prevents us from falling into pitfalls just out of routine and pattern, which I think is very human nature-esque. Right. And that's in our modern society it serves such a valuable purpose it, it's like anything else it's a tool but it's a very powerful one and it's one that um when used properly as you say can get you know fantastic results um and it's such a simple deceptively simple tool because you know i can just be like why am i doing this you know, you're, uh, I'll be shoveling snow and I'll be like, wait, why am I doing like this? I could just be skeptical of anything that I'm doing and then push instead of lift that type of thing. Yeah. Or like I could rig a couple, uh, snow shovels up to my car and just, (laughs) (laughs) then, you know, my wife comes outside and says, you know, I'm skeptical that this is a good use of your time. (laughs) So, um, I think, a lot of times, though, um, I don't think it's uh, we're going to be good if we just approach the entire topic at once. Um, but I think it might be good to start at a place where the most um, methodical uh, use of um, skepticism that we have in the modern day, which is the uh, scientific method, um, this engine of doubt and um, skepticism that allows us to find results. Um, I'm not saying science is like a verb because that's one of definitely, or science is a noun, <clears throat> which is definitely one of my, uh, well, either actually, now that I think about it. We should it. make it a verb, yeah. Let's and, science that. <laughs> well, I'm going to do science, which is I'm going to apply a method in order to get result, uh, find out what the result will be which is proper. But like when you use it as a noun, like I effing love science, it's just like, that's definitely a pet peeve. (laughs) (laughs) I do that all the time. I'm guilty of it too, because sometimes it's easier in shorthand to be like, ah, it's just uh, some science stuff that I don't need to get into now because I'm building a shelf. Uh, (laughs) It just, it sounds less pretentious than saying because logic, duh. (laughs) Logic dictates (laughs) because science. Thanks Spock. Um, but But I think where it's useful in science is it's sort of, it it is the approach of, of, um, like it's the thing that we use to figure out what to test and how to test it and like problem solve. Mm -hmm. So essentially anytime you're doing a scientific study, what, what you're essentially doing is you're testing a hypothesis or. Uh, sometimes it's a peer review where you're criticizing another person's hypothesis. And the utility is if we just believed everything blindly, then science would just be blind faith, which would be religion. Yeah. Well, that's not even believing everything blindly. That's believing a certain set of things very (laughs) blindly. Um, Yeah. So if a study came out and we just believed it without skeptical thought or criticism or peer review, it would essentially just be a faith. Yeah. And thus useless. You should wear two masks because it's more (laughs) effective. Mm. (laughs) Well, this is, this gets into because that is happening almost daily now in our society where we have these, you know, things like studies show that 
uh, this or that. And we've actually had that as a bit of a meme uh, or a joke that we've been telling each other since at least grade 12. Grade school, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and because uh, we used to just be like, we used to just make fantastic claims in uh, in in high school and teacher would be like, what are you talking about? And we'd be like, studies show, come on, get with the program. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think our poor teacher would just throw a fit conniption at us. and. But there's, there's that issue of like misplaced skepticism where some people think that, um, we're not, I guess they don't think about it. That's the problem <laughs> where they assume all skeptics, all skeptics are created equal. Yeah. Um, for example, if the world health organization during a COVID crisis or something like that, um, for people to not believe that a pandemic was a pandemic, even when by definition it had crossed borders and boundaries and then waited till the government declared it a pandemic and then suddenly they disbelieve that there is a pandemic even after it's been declared when the declaration of the pandemic is itself you know ipso facto proof of one <laughs> yeah the fact that another country is talking about another country's virus means that it's crossed the border <laughs> so um so there, there's different levels of skepticism like there's there's skepticism of statistics that a late night talk show host says as a joke on a comedy bit written by some script writers yeah. and then there's skepticism of like health initiatives like wearing a mask actually prevents the spread of an infectious airborne disease so yeah and i think you can choosing go... where we're skeptical i think is important is what i'm getting at and i think we can all think of one or two people that are you know, sado skeptics where they just they are skeptical of anything that just doesn't feel like something they want to believe or something and they go based they don't really even have anything they believe they just go with what feels right and everything else is given over to skepticism and if i am skeptical of it therefore uh it is wrong and therefore uh I disregard it. The skepticism in itself is evidence against it. Uh, because if you can be skeptical, well, anything that's true must be able to not only not stand up to skepticism, but must only be so obvious that it, skepticism would be illogical in itself. Um, like rain falls in a certain way. You don't really need to be skeptical about it uh, because you've seen it and it, to have it work any other way. And to say rain falls upwards would be, you know, ludicrous, but, but perfectly valid to test it. If you feel the need to, you can yeah. drop a bunch of water and test it all you want, but to have that, that disbelief just because you disbelieve it because of how you feel is sort of not methodolo methodological. Right. And something scientific like method. it's raining frogs or something, which we always used to say, ah, oh, it's raining frogs or something. And then we learned that in places around the world, there's like, get so humid that some might lift up tiny frogs and then it'll drop them again. And it was just like, no way. And I like, that's a healthy skepticism. It's just like, it sounds like there's something here that seems a little weird. And then you see a video of it and it's like, okay, but, um, Sharknado doesn't happen. Yes. Yeah, Sharknado is a bit much. <laughs> Let's say like helium sharks. <laughs> um, so and on one end, I, I would like to get into the scientific method, but I think on one end we can find, you know, uh, um, you know, you have that whole idea of open and closed minds, but have an open mind, but not so much that your brain falls out and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, be willing to 
and don't close it up too much. But I think that's where it is. But at the same time, when you question stuff, that's how you get answers. And when you get into a habit of questioning things, um, just everyday things, um, you can find strange new answers to even the most mundane problems. Although I've been um, doing that constantly over the last month as I've been just moving and trying to solve problems of weight and uh and uh tetris yeah pretty much just giant tetris problems and uh at the same time like putting stuff where i needed to go finding out what materials i need to do repairs on the old and new place and these are problems that i haven't i'm having to solve and so i have to approach it uh with an air of a skepticism because like what's going why would they do this why this is not is this the way it should be you know is this box going to carry my books and yeah do i have enough gas <laughs> like, like these small problems which you think are just like you just made a decision but it's still the process is still happening that process in itself we um definitely have codified into a very specific um <clears throat> uh a very specific um, method, which we now call the scientific method, which is um, AKA the science, the science. This is the science that we did. Um, now you can go back to Descartes. You can find this in ancient societies, but it's not like codified. Um, I think uh, a lot of people attribute it to Bacon, but in reality, a lot of people at the early Renaissance, the late Renaissance, early um, Enlightenment were tinkering with a way to get results without resorting to articles of faith. And um, uh, aside from that, you get this method, which we have. Um, let's see if I can remember it. Uh, so you have you know, you have a question, you have a problem, or you have a, um, what do you call it? A, um, an effect. You don't know why something happens. So the question becomes, why does this happen? So that's your first step is right there is asking the question. Then you come up with a, a possible explanation. Um, why does, um, the water boil at this temperature. That's when I apply heat to it. Like what's going on? So you, you say, well, why does the water change from one state to another? Um, well, it's cause my hypothesis is that it's cause heat is being applied to it. Um, counter hypothesis is just maybe there's a electrical current going through it or something. I don't know. Or atmospheric maybe, pressure or something. Maybe something just does that. Maybe there's a God in the sky that's thirsty and so he's like, uh, or something. And, uh, there could be an electromagnetic anomaly coming through the ground and through the pot right there. I guess it's possible. It's stupid, but it's possible. So then you, you, so you have your hypothesis and you make your prediction. Um, so I say heat's being applied to this water, which is making it go from that to a gas. So, cause there's a, I saw that there might've been like a fire under it or something. And, uh, and it's really warm around here. So there's heat happening. So I'll apply heat. So I'll make a prediction. If I apply heat to water, it'll turn into that gas. 
then I actually do it and test it. And what happens is I, I see what happens. And then this is the testing part is going to be the part where I, you know, actually see. And this is where a lot of people trip up because a lot of people will find something and say, oh, I, I didn't want that. So I'm just going to maybe do a look at it in a different way and put some, uh, what do you call that, interpretation on it and see what I, else I can find. And, then, and I think cognitive bias plays a lot into that too, because people want to believe certain things. And I'm not just saying other people, I mean, all human beings have mm -hmm. cognitive bias. Like we want to reaffirm beliefs we already hold without questioning them. And I think that's what makes it important to consciously question things. Right. I, I Not just for the sake of it, but I like, don't think it's as strong as certain people uh, claim, but they are there and you can be aware of them. They're not like unconscious hiding. And if you try and find them, they just dig themselves in. No, you can, you can be aware of them. I remember how um, stupid I used to be uh, even 10 years ago. And uh, <laughs> a lot of questioning later, I, uh, I changed my biases. Um, it's a whole bunch of little things that people don't even think about really like homelessness, for instance, a lot of like millions of people think that homelessness is a choice. Yeah. Right? Right? Or, or that just like positive thinking makes your life better and money falls in your lap from from smiling at the sun and not doing anything about your financial situation. Yeah, smiling at the sun makes makes you blind. Like, <laughs> I, I, in my opinion, those are I, I'm not sure if this is like the scholarly opinion, but in no. my opinion, that's a that's a cognitive bias in in that you don't want to be proven that the world is un actually unfair to certain people or that, you know, lottery plays a big factor into your success or, you know, things like that. You want to take credit for the hard work you do. Yeah. And I think it's yeah. That's actually a very healthy way of looking at it because there's a lot of <laughs> unconscious bias where, um, like you, you want, you see people who have, I don't know what they would say, internalized racism or something like that. And, uh, but then someone would claim that because I'm white, I have inherent racial tendencies. It's like, no, cause I'm human. <laughs> I have an inherent bias of mistrust of difference. It's not a racial thing. It's a human thing. If something and it's because is, of skepticism that you can avoid being a racist person. Right. <laughs> I can be skeptical of my own reaction to, you know, something that I've never encountered before. Like some guy wearing clothes I've never seen of a phenotype that I've never encountered before. And I'll be like smelling like a spice I've never seen. Or yeah. It's just all these things <laughs> I've never encountered. And all of a sudden I'm just like, Ah, what's this? Un you know, it's, it's not like, Ooh, it's a, it's a minor race. It's like, no, it's just something different and unknown. And if I'm skeptical, I can be like, all right, but he's, he's still a person. Okay. So what can we do? Well, who is this person that I'm coming across? Hypothesis. Well, he's probably foreigner or some folklorama type person. Uh, maybe testing. I'm going to try and talk to him and ask analysis. He said his name is Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> so I thank you skepticism. <laughs> so skepticism. I know we're conflating skepticism and the scientific method, which is, I know I'm just someone just sitting there going, that's not the same thing. It's the scientific method uses skepticism. It's like, yes, that's correct. Skepticism yeah. is the underlying fundamental of why we 
why we do that. And um, so there are biases and yes, it, it does let us get around them. Um, I have a bias to not having being in water um, over my head. I don't like it. <laughs> uh, and I don't think I'm going to get around that one. Uh, but I can be skeptical and say, yeah, but I don't have to. It's yeah, irrational. It won't kill me. Like, so that's a very. I think that's a really good point, too, because skepticism is a good for mental health in the sense that it gets you around anxieties, and everybody has an inherent anxieties, too. Oh, yeah. Whether it's from childhood trauma and it's really severe and obvious, or if it's just latent and you didn't even really notice because nobody brought it to your attention. Yeah. Like having skepticism, you can walk yourself through an uncomfortable situation. Oh, or yeah. just be responsible. Like you can do things you don't want to do because you're skeptical of your own nature. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of, if you start questioning your own sadness or say something like that, or, or mm. your own trauma, it's like, am I actually tra traumatized? It's like, yeah, probably. But do I need to, does this mean I need to follow the path that society says I need to grab a bunch of ice cream, go chill in my bed antisocially for yeah. years? And Must then, I exhibit signs of it to show everybody or is that just a, a symptom of my condition? Right. And then, you know, skepticism. Do I need to, is playing up my trauma for the benefit of charity from others worth it more than um uh just living my life in spite of my trauma mm. and uh i feel like a lot of people answer that question poorly nowadays <laughs> um but or showing off your body so that you can get uh affections or attentions from other people like being skeptical of all those little things that we do naturally like naturally we try to attract the opposites or whatever sex we're attracted to mm -hmm. we try to attract them but we don't always do it consciously like there there was a study that done um like when, when women are ovulating they show more skin yeah the clothes that's... they choose to wear just little things like that but being skeptical of it allows you to be more self-conscious, not in the bad way, but self-conscious in the self-awareness type of way, like living more enlightened life. Right. And like, you can't go around and that leads you to, um, a skeptical that can also lead you to a skeptical, uh, misstep too. Cause, um, you've been, it's like, Oh, you have, you've seen the studies studies show women where, uh, reveal more skin, uh, during ovulation and therefore, you know, you can create a nasty improper syllogism out of that, uh, which is thrown out of the water. Um, if you're not careful, but we're yeah. not talking about bikini naked. We're just saying like, instead of this, they do this. Like yeah. it's just a slight it's, difference. It's, it's on average. But, um, yeah. I think one of the things that we do is that we're so we're actually quite used to this in society nowadays. We're used to this sort of skepticism, but we don't, not everyone uses it well. And I think that's a lot of the problem because you're supposed to be, um, we pay lip service to skepticism a lot and it shows up in, you know, we've seen this for the last uh, forever. I mean, we just went through a very, um, rough couple of months in the political sphere, um, rough as in annoying. Um, <laughs> and, um, 
we were being told to be skeptical of one side and not the other by both sides, um, which leads me to be skeptical of both sides. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, and beware the teacher who tells you not to ask. <laughs> yeah. And it was exactly. Um, it was annoying in the way that you get the idea of skepticism used as a blunt instrument. Um, and no, no, don't, don't, don't. It's like, but don't use it to its full extent. So it's like drive a car, but don't use the brake. <laughs> you can put both your hands on the wheels, and, but you're also not allowed to use the radio because, you know, that's, that's not how you use a car. It's like, mm. and, and that's kind of what it feels like is you're using only half of the tool uh when and usually the wrong end when you're not thinking about how you're using it yeah and there's if a couple you grab of... a hammer and you don't think to grab the handle and you start whacking around like yeah <laughs> and uh it's not half as useless because you grab the wrong half it's like completely useless when you grab the wrong half <laughs> yeah you grab the blunt end and the other side says no grab the uh the part that that bring, takes the nail out and neither of those are telling you to grab the handle yeah <laughs> So and the handle's got no weight to it. It's rubber. Like none of it is useful for driving a nail or pulling a nail. Yeah. The handle. So it's it right now we're being we we're not, I think a lot of the problem there is that we're not treating our own um we're not treating our own interest not interest um perspective uh our individual um, perspective as an authority with regard to, um, problem solving and, uh, judgments. Cause you know, you see all these people are saying, you know, in them in the media right now are the saying, trust us, trust us, trust us. We're the authority. Don't make a judgment. Don't be skeptical. Just we'll be skeptical for you. And that's not how skepticism works. <laughs> so you just defer to an authority all the time. And now no one, everyone's skepticism faculties are, you know, all at a whack. Um, but it's an individual's tool. It's not a group tool. Um, you can use it in a group as in like a, a science team or something like that, where, you know, you all come together and work on a hard problem. Um, and you, but it's still a very, um, deliberate skepticism and that thing. But if you defer to others, you're not actually being skeptical. You're only being, um, lazy. Well, yeah, it's lazy. And there's a lot of encouraged lazy because, you know, don't think just vote. It's like, Oh boy. Yeah. I'm like if you do... wanted your life to be as easy as possible, what you would do is tell other people to think like you, you would say, don't worry, trust me, just do what I say. It, like to me, it's evidence that somebody's trying to manipulate a group of people whenever they say, I'll be skeptical for you. Yeah. Because what they're, what they're trying to do is like cater to your, or pander to your laziness. Mm -hmm. They're trying to get you to capitulate without forethought to serve their own means or ends. And this goes for both sides. Like it's not just conservatism or radical Nazis. It's like the left, <laughs> that yeah. cancel culture, radical left as well. And oh, it's yeah. centrists too, who are on, you know, taxation policies or treaty arrangements and things like that. Like, this, this is what's right. No, go do your own research. And that's, I yeah. think a lot of it is that, um, and you get a lot of that with the archives too, 
it's like they're hiding it from us. No, it's in, it's in there. Go find it. Do your research. But that's the thing. It takes effort. And a lot of people are, oh, that's hard. Don't worry about that. Or we're in lockdown. Don't go outside. It's like you have the internet. <laughs> yeah. So but, with everybody telling you how bored they are, they don't have time to do anything useful, like think <laughs> somehow. And I yeah. say that ironically. Well, we started this where we can put two heads together instead of being this. And uh, I moved. But, but uh, I, I think it's really important, the stuff that we do, though, because we're not just preaching things that are written from textbooks, we're sort of modernizing the things we have learned through experience. Mm -hmm. And rather than being afraid to be wrong on camera or, you know, to say something that somebody might object to, we're speaking truthfully and honestly in the hopes that other people are encouraged to think for themselves as opposed to believe the things that we're telling them to think. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is like, well, I like to feel like that's the purpose of this channel is to show people how to have a conversation about things that you're thinking. Yeah. Without it being right or wrong from the onset or being crucified for it. Yeah. There was uh like, I've made a, we've made a, well, at least I remember one thing that I did wrong. At least I, uh, oh, I've said a bunch wrong. We, I remember specifically. The Challenger explosion. Was like, oh yeah. Well, that was I called just, it Columbia. <laughs> um, but, uh, I did an entire pod. We did an entire podcast of forgiveness and I forgot to mention the word confession. <laughs> I, I I went through what confession is. We didn't look at it, and it's been bugging me the entire time. But here I am saying, I'm skeptical of my own work. Is it good enough? Can I do better? And I'm not taking. And that's that personal bias that we all have. That that bias towards I am the sole person in existence, and therefore I am the most important person in existence. Which to some extent, you are the most important person in your existence. Drink water, get proper sleep, eat properly, mm -hmm. please, for your own sake and for your own personal bias. Yeah. But beyond that, you have you are an individual in a group of people, which is why we can't just make these assumptions because you have to be skeptical of, well, maybe they're actually not just being a jerk to me. Maybe I shouldn't just assume everyone's uh, being mean because you have that like, oh, everyone's such so mean to me. But if you're in a bad mood and you read a bunch of texts, you're going to read them in a different voice than if you were reading them in a um, uh, in a good mood. And Every, you probably won't notice until you're in a good mood, like hours right. and hours later, <laughs> yeah, days later. So like, get texts from your friend. And then like before lunch, when you're really hungry and stomach's rumbling and then have lunch and then read them again, and you'll, it'll say different stuff. It's weird. But, um, or if you're writing letters, like I used to after when I was a property manager, write bylaw violation letters for condo owners and stuff like that. Like just the snarkiness that comes off in a tone when you're quoting a bylaw at somebody and telling them to shut up, like <laughs> changes from before lunch to after lunch, like the tone of words. Uh, and the reception of words too, but also the tone of the projection changes yeah. things. So this, I keep bringing up the individuals because the individual definitely, and I say this because the individual is definitely the focus of this. You have to be skeptical as an individual. Someone's going to, if someone comes in and says, be skeptical, well, are you actually being skeptical? That Okay, that's like a, that's a, I'm 14 and this is deep question. So let's not get into that. But that um, love recursion. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I still do it. <laughs> so one of the things that we're seeing, and I, uh, we can dive really deep into this, is how 
you can be put to skepticism on certain topics and you can be manufactured skepticism by you know this large media which has its um interests in uh read buy don't question keep reading and buying because that keeps us employed and we're just going to keep throwing stuff at you that you respond to and this shows up also in social media um which I think the worst offender for this is Facebook. We love to say that the book of faces um, <laughs> where there is no dislike button. You are only allowed to, uh, let me just pull this up. Um, I guess that's a good case to make for Reddit because I think there's a downvote button on Reddit. Yeah, there's this problems with that too, but um, okay, here we go. What do we have here? Uh, we have like, love, care, laughing uh oh there's an angry happy like. shot so i guess that counts yeah angry but the angry isn't i dislike this the angry is this makes me angry so if someone yeah, posts yeah. something that's like trump breathes and it's just like angry it's like it's still <laughs> it's still a scent um to the person posting it uh it's not a dislike they like the post they dislike what they're disliking along with the content. Um, so yeah, and that's not a subjective assessment either. That's like how like Facebook's algorithm works. If you put an angry face, it counts as a reaction and they promote things that are reactive. Yeah. That, that's how they keep faces on the book. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I mess with it and I get like an ad for, I don't know, juice and I'll say it's inappropriate. <laughs> uh, oh, YouTube's driving me nuts for that. Like oh. I keep telling them, just let me pick my own ads instead of you trying to guess randomly because you suck at guessing. <laughs> yeah. But well, YouTube thing, won't let me tell them which ads I want to see. I keep getting ads for the new F-18 uh, <laughs> fighter jet. And it's just like, what do you want? You want me to buy a jet? Because I will. Um, but <laughs> uh, you want me to like mail Pepsi my MP points. and be like, hey, McDonald Douglas totally just sent me this thing and it looks like a really cool thing. We should buy some. It's like, said no one ever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, But it's, it's again, it's like trying to appeal to people who think, oh, plane, those jet planes are cool. I should join the army. I should be an Air Force pilot. Like it, it's, it's so subtle what they're doing. Um, to manipulate people, but they're doing it by telling you not to be skeptical of the ad that they're showing you, right? Right. Like they're not saying this was sponsored by the USAF. They're just saying, look how cool this plane is. Well, that's actually <laughs> by the company that, which is the strangest part. If it was the no, but I mean, like whoever is doing the ad, they don't they don't explicitly go out of their way to articulate that. What they're trying to do yeah. is knee jerk a reaction from you. Well, that one's actually, I bring that one up because not because it's actually useful to our discussion, but because it's absolutely strange because it's from the company that makes those jets and they're advertising as the company that makes those jets. So it's probably for political support then. Yeah, exactly. There's no room in the budget because Biden's trying to cut the budget. They're well, probably trying to rally support. It's, it's Canadian. Canada does need new fighter jets. We have like maybe a dozen and a half fighter jets total. for what where are we going to take our fighter jets the north the north really needs them they also <laughs> need boats <laughs> the north needs them no not to defend but to patrol because uh, you know scrambling the same fighter to you know 
put the Russian probe back out. It's like, I, it's, it's, wouldn't it be easier to just agree on a border with Russia? Like diplomacy? Why don't we do that with all that money? Why don't we be diplomatic? It's, this is skepticism, by the way. We're yeah. Practicing. Well, it's, it's <laughs> the, the North is an interesting case because um, if we actually pushed it, for a border, we just soft claim it. And we've been soft claiming it forever. And if we actually pushed it, Russia would just be like, well, obviously it's mine. We, we put a flag in there with a submarine. It's just like, yeah, we remember. Um, well, you and Denmark fight over that one Island. It's like, yeah, but me and Denmark, we like each other. <laughs> um, but first things though, Putin actually said, or I don't know if it was Putin, but Russia said officially on the record, they were planting the flag just as a discovery. Like that they had been there. They they said explicitly they weren't claiming territory by doing it. I'm skeptical. <laughs> I am too. <laughs> because But I mean, if they did explicitly make a declaration of, of land over Canada, the US would absolutely flip. That, yeah. That's why they wanted Alaska <laughs> was yeah. so that they could prevent a Russian invasion through Canada because Canada's weak. Well, the Alaska Canada. thing is actually really interesting because um they bought it at a time when Russia couldn't handle all its shit. I like to say that on anyway, all of its um, <laughs> land. Um, so um, they sold it for what was it five bucks an acre or something? Just something absurdly cheap because Russia's like it's too far away. There's nothing there. It has no strategic relevance. And so the Tsar, in his infinite, you know wisdom just sold it to the states we're like yeah we'll take it we have land claims over to fight for over with britain anyways and this will piss the british monarch off so let's do it uh, um they were the americans were still kind of like it was fun to snub the uh the british crown so they just bought it because it's cheap land and that's more west that they can send that people can go off and do american things with and um which was actually a long-term uh, strategic misstep on Russia's part uh, to such a degree that um, they, they lost out. And they also actually cut them off from the fur trade to some extent uh, because Russia killed all their beavers off uh, in, during the fur trade, which is why everyone was coming over to Canada, um, one of the reasons. Um, anyway. History lesson over. <laughs> so uh, mainly, it's because we wouldn't sell Vancouver Island to them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just wanted something. Uh, there was that whole thing with the Panhandle. Uh, I just got it. Some I got some. I think it's. I we it. still have an island that's in dispute with the states. Eh, it's in the Great Lakes region or out east somewhere. Yeah, there's it's... like a lighthouse on it, and there's a line down the middle, and <laughs> it's pretty funny. Yeah, at this point, it's just like border goes through the island. <laughs> yeah. or, or my favorite is that uh there's an american town that's inaccessible by america yes it's near on the Manitoba. west coast oh um yes but there's one you have to cross a, a border to yeah. get from america to america you have to cross the canadian border it's hilarious yeah, so when they shut down the borders though for covid all, all the people were stuck there because <laughs> <laughs> they weren't allowed to technically cross the border there's one in manitoba uh what is this angle inlet it's right in buffalo bay there oh yeah buffalo point and it's on lake of the woods and the border goes through lake of the woods up into manitoba down back into lake of the woods 
and then back into Manitoba. And there's this little piece of land with a, I think it's got a reserve on it, but um, essentially it's just uh, yeah, Angle Inlet and, uh, and Oak Island. And it's just, you, the border is just right there on the lake and cottage country there, which I think is just, it's historically fascinating, but it actually doesn't serve any, um, what do you call it? Uh, function function yeah it's just no <laughs> diplomatic interest in it so yeah. but um, taking it back to the whole skepticism yeah, thing, it's, I mean, it's fun but <laughs> the sort of the point is without skepticism you don't question stupidity basically is what hmm. we're getting at it, it's the reason we don't keep doing stupid things that we're already doing repetitively right when and we're skeptical and when when we have the ability to to objectively stand back from a third party perspective of our own situation and take a, a like a, a broad scale view of like an assessment of the situation as it is that requires skepticism fundamentally i think mm -hmm. and that comes to when you approach something it comes to one of the uh the definitions the doctrine that true knowledge or knowledge in particular area is uncertain and i guess that comes to that whole idea like there's no well, there is absolute truth, but that's another, that's a completely very rare though. Very rare though. Thermodynamics is pretty definitive, but <laughs> um, in this universe, yes. in this universe, which is um, that caveat just helps. But at the same time you go on Facebook, I don't know, let's just click over on it. Maybe I'll pull something up um, and you see someone posts a news article and the news article says, you know, so-and-so said this. And you're taking their. You really words. don't have to look up an example. We no. all know how stupid these news articles yeah. are. So, if you look it up and you can't disagree with it, and you see no one's disagreeing with it, and the comments that are negative are hidden, so all the comments, period, are hidden unless everyone's just being like, "Yes, that's so wonderful, preach." It's like I hate it when people just said preach in university. It was just like this is not a place for preaching. The <laughs> theological department is over there and they won't put up with it either. No, <laughs> they, they don't. And um, the, so you see this and it says, so-and-so says such and such. And you're like, my gosh. And you're going to, you're going to instantly make a judgment on that. And the judgment's going to be good or bad or, Oh, finally, I, he's finally going to do this, or he's finally going to do that, or he's finally going to, um, you know, some policy or whatever. And then, um, and then someone else, but then you don't look it up. You don't look at stuff like, um, this, uh, you, you, essentially you haven't made up your own decision. You've been doing what you've got the, um, the reaction that was uh, put forth towards you, and you had the, you know, legitimate reaction. But then there's, sorry, I'm, I'm stuttering here. I think what I'm getting to is that there's an element of self-awareness that you need in order to actually be skeptical, and that comes to, uh, that shows up in a way or manifests in, why did I do that? Um, why did I act like that? Why do I hate this guy? Like, so media says, hate Trump, hate Trump, hate Trump, hate Trump. And you just get a good hate on it. It feels so good. And everyone else is hating Trump with you. And you're like, yeah. I'm I part think of the that's group. a bit of a different case, though. 
it's not. Trump so, is exceptionally bad. <laughs> yes, but you can be skeptical of everything. Let, let's just let's just go to the end of this. Don't worry. I'm not saying <laughs> actually you should love Trump and so. No, but <laughs> okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I'm not. I'm not making a value judgment on Trump. I'm making value judgments on individuals, uh, and not even with regard to. Well, you'll see. You'll see. Don't mm. be skeptical. Let me do what I'm going to do. Uh, although skepticism and timeliness we should do next <laughs> because um, there is an element to that. Um, so, you know, you're told hate Trump, hate Trump, hate Trump. And you get, you're part of the group, you're hating Trump. Everyone's hating Trump with you um, because you've met a guy that really likes Trump and he seemed like a, uh, you know, a guy that you would expect to like Trump. So it's everything's uh, done this. But then if you're asking, but then the self-awareness can come in at any time. Do I actually hate Trump? Or is he just some thing that I don't like? Or why do I feel like this? Why am I actually having this reaction? Is it because he's actually reprehensible and I don't like what he stands for? And this is where you need to start examining, not Trump, well, yes, but uh, it goes for any topic, is you need to examine why you're having your reactions to this. And that self-awareness allows you to be skeptical on any topic. So if you question yourself, you can start questioning the stuff that you are encountering. Um, how do I put it? Yeah, that? I might suggest that the only reason why I would object to that as an example, though, is like if we told kids over and over again, the earth is round, the earth is round, the earth is round, there's nothing wrong with them being skeptical. Right. Right. Like, I agree with you there. But where I disagree, though, is the fact that we shouldn't, um, that the, the group think itself is wrong because in politics, that is the whole focus of it is a popularity mm. contest, like by nature, that is the point of politics. You yeah. need crowds to rally against people. Instagram in is politics. This so, so useful. It's yeah, useless. It, it, it's different in the sense that with po politics, your only power and control as an individual is with a group. Mm -hmm. That's sort of where I get my objection for. Yeah. I'm so, fundamentally, saying, I agree with you on, in principle and the self-awareness being the key factor. It's just the example itself sort of portends yeah. towards so, there being yeah. no usefulness to the group thinking. Overly this. complicated example then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it was just yeah, convoluted, so, not convoluted, um, complex, I guess. Trying to be topical here. Um, <laughs> um, so I think where self-awareness does come in is that you can test your reactions and find your biases and then become skeptical. And then once you realize what reaction you're having, it's like, oh, I hate this. But then you can start engaging stuff on a more neutral footing. You can be like, oh, I don't like this, but I'm going to read it anyway, fairly. And mm -hmm. from that perspective, you can realize your, um, from that place, you can realize your reactions like I, I know I don't like this body, but our brain, but we have to go through it and we have to suffer through it. And we have to look at more than one thing and get an actual proper thing. And you'll find that you might not be on the same, uh, you might find yourself changing opinions on stuff, but you also might find yourself changing opinions 
multiple times going back and forth. It's like, and or reinforcing the ones you already had, like having a more intelligent opinion after, right. after having questioned it, I think and is super valuable. Even a opinion that turns out being right isn't very, isn't as useful as an opinion that turns out being right. And then you finding out why it's yeah. right or why it's, knowably right. it's more moral or ethical or whatever. So, um, that is the start of it, but the, um, I guess, uh, one thing is that you skepticism is definitely a, this route is definitely one of a bit more effort. It takes a bit more work than it's actually really hard to read something you disagree with. Oh, like, it is. I, I try to read like Niall Ferguson, for example, he's like, uh, an, a British economist, <laughs> uh, there that's his book. It's so frustrating to listen to him. <laughs> like I, cause he's just flat out knowably wrong. And he promotes an idea by cherry picking the things that he just wants to believe without proof and then shows proof for the things that he has proof for. You know what I mean? I do. And I actually have a weird spot in my intellectual heart for him because he's yeah. one of those guys who he's thoughtful. <laughs> he will swim against the grain and the swim him swimming against the grain in itself does more for history and all the stuff he's talking about than just another book with the same opinion and the same topic. Exactly. And I, uh, whenever he does something new, I almost like, it's like, I almost go after it like candy. Cause it's like, here's a weird opinion. Let's dive in. And but it's so hard to listen to. Like, it's so hard to sit and just be patient and follow him through flawed logic <laughs> because, um, but he's presenting the best case for a bad arg for a bad. Yes. Argument, um, his one on the British empire was uh net benefit for humanity. That yeah. was a, that was, that was some brave stuff. <laughs> oh, dead aid, uh, Africa's for, um, humanitarian aid it shouldn't be given to african people because you know they'll just waste it or steal it like I, I just think, flat out wrong i think economics. that argument is um i think his argument there is uh why are we giving man a fish when we could teach them how to fish <laughs> no he's saying we shouldn't give them any aid he said yeah. look at what aid has done to them yeah i've seen that and <laughs> that's I, I the problem it. with his argument is that he takes it so far beyond like what yeah. the actual extrapolated data would suggest but i can't consider him malevolent though because he's no he, he doesn't mean any like harm or whatever I don't know but if he makes people think that's the important thing i don't know if anyone's gonna get this reference but he's like um there's a gun company called Keltech, and they make the weirdest they make the weirdest new designs and they'll just put them out be like here's a weird caliber and it's got a strange mechanism here buy it and they don't they're not great but they're all weird and they do something different every time and that i can respect and trying something new going down that same path is uh that's stagnation you how do I do this different? And that's, um, I guess we have the freedom in our society to try something new. And, um, which is why I do like living here. <laughs> no, I hate to self promote, but like, that's what we're doing with the channel too. Like how hmm. many talking head videos do you see on YouTube? Like I, I watch tons of them cause I'm stuck at home, but, um, most of them are all scripted. 
Like they're yes. there specifically to push an agenda, whatever they started with, whether it's educational or not. It's just they're very, uh, and the ones that aren't are just banter. Like it's just BS. Ooh, I fragged you and playing games. Oh like, yeah, like let's play. Like, there's no balance where let's just have a discussion where we might have a flawed opinion on politics or on theism or on activism or extremism or whatever we talk about. Yeah. It's stuff that people should be talking about, but are too scared to be on camera doing. Yeah, there was, well, I went, when I upload a video, I always see the, uh, the, uh, cause we don't have any subscriptions on our frivolous gravitas channel. And I see like the unfiltered, it doesn't know what we want to watch feed. And it's just like, this is, and you see like millions, 18 million views on like, well, look at this thing. And it's just, this is depressing. Like, I don't want to watch these. I don't want to click on it. Like I can feel my body being like, Hey, yeah, check that out. Look at the, it's a female body. You should click on it. It's like, no, this is all, <laughs> these are all traps. It's There's just nothing, trash. <laughs> it's just trash. And it's just pages and pages and pages of trash. And that's what people will go on YouTube to watch. I'm not saying well, they should be going on YouTube to, you know, watch us. It's like, well, this is an hour, an hour and a half long thing. Like go outside, go for a walk like yeah, mow the maintain lawn. social distance if you need to like do something productive um i spent a lot of yesterday trying not to be productive because i needed a day off but i still ended up doing like laundry and, and dishes <laughs> and all that stuff and i'm like nope and but because i've been i've got all these things i want to do but this is one of those things and this is for you guys you know our audience because we want to give you something that'll, you know, food for thought or something and show you our thought process and also say hi. Cause, uh, there's a lot of it's that. COVID. Hi, <laughs> we should do another meta episode. That might be fun. But anyway, <laughs> um, the, this is also us. We have stuff to say, so we're just actually going to put some effort into it. We're going to, we're not going to, we're going to be, productive and uh, rather than let other people say our stuff for us even if on the small corner of the internet this is the voice that we have and if we if we don't say anything then we might not have said anything um and it doesn't matter so even if it's small and oh, no one's listening to you this is this is this is what we are We're putting it out there and if people get angry good if people like it good uh but that's adding to the so we're like the Niall Ferguson of YouTube. <laughs> we could be. I could definitely get into Niall Ferguson territory. I I uh, have some uh, theses in my head that are um, stinky. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I uh, yeah. Theses. theses. Yeah. Don't leave your theses in the open. <laughs> they might get read. So one of the things uh, we've been doing a lot of banter, but um, I think. Uh, I've been doing a lot of arm days, so I'm a, I'm a bit fried, but that's okay because um, we also want to be personable. I don't want to be a drone on here. Not no, being. but I, I think really what we're getting at though is the the purpose of um, of what we're showing is by example. It, mm -hmm. It's not a thing to say do it like us or be like us or think like us or talk like us or nothing like that. The thing is. You live in a country where you're free to speak, exercise that right to have open discussions and be diplomatic with people. Like right. just because you, I disagree with you is something 
the fact that you're telling me you believe I'm wrong is that's more than enough reason for me to stop and say, okay, I need to think about what I believe in, mm-hmm. you know, because I respect you as an intelligent individual and lifelong f- friend and blah, blah, blah. But like the point is I would otherwise never have been skeptical about the things that you point out without you pointing them out. Yeah. And in my own head, it's just an echo. <laughs> yeah. And stuff. Well, that's, we've talked on that before. And the other thing is that we, we try to show our work on here as much as we can. Like we, the, the, the process of coming to our conclusions mm-hmm. is part of the content so that, you know, you can be like, well, how do you say that? Well, we laid it out. Watch the whole thing. Yeah. Don't <laughs> um, just watch the clips. <laughs> that's the gravitas part of the frivolous. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I think one of the things I want to move to is, um, that I, I'll just move the discussion forward. Yeah, give her. Yeah. Um, skepticism can be kind of a blunt instrument sometimes, and it's uh, it can be a bit annoying when um, used as such because the um, the hold on a second the you can often just be um, use it to be very contrarian. Um, lost my train of thought there. Sorry. And a lot of times if you, you can use skepticism, like I said, as a hammer, someone purports something. No, that's, I don't believe that that's wrong. And you just skeptical and then drop it or, um, and here's, that's one thing I learned too, is that you can't just, um, you have to be mature about it in a way. Um, because you, it's easy for a person to just say, Oh no, I'm skeptical on your topic. So I need to tell you why I'm skeptical on the topics. Just like, hear me out, which is kind of why I was like, Oh, we need to talk about that before. Uh, because we are all guilty of this. I'm guilty of this. I was very guilty of this before I, uh, got good at debate. I remember in class just being like, uh, and some of my earlier classes just being like, no, it's blah, 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 and I just go off talking. And because um, I honestly kind of enjoyed the exploration, but I uh, was being overly skeptical because it was fun. It's like an addiction <laughs> to the novelty. You're looking yeah. for a new perspective constantly, even if you don't want to, you just have to chase it. Right. And yeah. In, in retrospect, it was a lot of like, how do I put together an argument? How do I put together a... Um, a new thought and or let's make this conversation more interesting. <laughs> yeah. There was a bit of that. I remember. just challenge people to, you know, for the sake of having a better conversation or yeah. And it doesn't, well, sometimes I'd be angry in class cause everyone was being, um, uh, what would I call it? Uh, sheepish. Yeah. A bit sheepish. Mm, yeah. Uh, kind of like, four legs good two legs better kind of stuff but um i just taught a orwell class <laughs> um but uh the and i would just throw stuff out there to be a poop disturber and uh and just throw skepticism in there and the thing was it didn't actually help the conversation uh but i I'd, I'd given up on the conversation a lot of times when that i was doing that so 
But you're talking about the mature approach though, right? Right. So the mature approach is to wait for the other person to stop talking before you, uh, begin your skeptical, uh, counter or begin your skeptical, um, uh, you know, analysis, because you see this a lot, um, especially online, I think is one of the better ones is you see someone like Jordan B. Peterson, who, if you watch all of his stuff, he's quite an insightful fellow, but you see a lot of people being skeptical and I was hungry for real skepticism of him because it's just everything this guy says seems very good. And I, 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 I agree with him, but I agree with him too much, which was always a red flag for me. Um, it's his approach that I like, though. I really like that he offered perspective of how he arrived at his conclusions right. or that he was still struggling with it. And he was like, this is what I think, but I don't know it yet. Yeah, like I haven't. He'll, he'll actually articulate his his um, what do you call that? Not incompetence, but uh, ignorance. Yeah, he'll, he'll articulate his own ignorance, which I think is phenomenal. We should all do that more. Yeah. And I think how he goes. Yeah, he's absolutely admirable how he goes about his work. Um, but the and I was very, very hungry very quickly for skepticism on uh, him. And um, I found a, a few really good um, counters, not counters like, oh, look, it proves him wrong, but um, criticisms. And there's a difference mm-hmm. between a criticism, which is uh, constructive, which is constructive and a counter, which is a zero sum uh, concept. Yeah. You're destroying their argument. I proved him to be wrong. Therefore he is uh, not an authority on anything. And this is a immature way of going about now, you know, it's a skepticism for the sake of destruction. I'm going to destroy you. I'm skeptical of you. So I will, uh, I'll, instead of taking what's good about your arguments, I'll just throw you off the board. And the, uh, I found a few good ones. There was a book on conspiracies, um, and how they psychologically work, which actually looked at Jordan B. Peterson's work. And he's like, okay, I didn't. And he's like, oh, I didn't like his notion of truth. Cause he was like this. And he gave a honest representation of Peterson's notion of truth. And then his, uh, and then another thing and compared and contrast them and said, I don't really agree with this. Cause he says this, and he made an actual legitimate skeptical argument against one of Peterson's ideas. And I was like, why did it take years for me to find something like this? Yeah. Um, Sapolsky, I think had a good argument with him too. Yeah. But I mean, uh, this goes back to like them Newton and Leibniz. Like they yes. had the same types of arguments over calculus and motion and, but it was respectful. You know what I mean? It was like right. Oppenheimer and, and Einstein or whatever. Like and we, or Niels Bohr. And what was his teacher? I can't remember his anyway. I don't remember. Megan didn't know. <laughs> But um, this is Try to be the, a history teacher too. <laughs> this is a uh, this is the healthy aspect of it. You you are skeptical, but respectfully, um, and usefully. Like it's yeah. thoughtful, and it's not personal, and it's not attacking, and it's not right. And so, if you even like, you can do this with any. <clears throat> sorry, you can do this with any anybody uh but you know when both sides play nice it works better so you get a concept say the earth is flat well it's easily disproved but you can still hear them out and be like i've been skeptical this whole time and i'm very skeptical and i'm still skeptical after your proof 
but you don't need to destroy the messenger. Mm -hmm. you, you can realize that maybe they're coming from a place of um, not ignorance. This can be still a bit harsh, but um, psychological dysfunction where it's, or maybe they're just that anti um, a bit like a psychological rebel where they're, they can't see the truth. And this truth is, uh, a mechanism of rebellion for them in which case it's that's their life like you're not it doesn't serve anything by you like enforcing skepticism upon them and that's why i find the whole like flat earth thing and everyone's just sitting there like Phew, like like with their like highbrow like hold on no, i always go out of my way to show them exactly all the different ways that you can figure out that the earth is not flat you right. can go to the top of the burj khalifa and measure the the sunrise and sunset you can check the stars over the seasons you can check the the arc of a shadow over a sundial there are so many ways to check that the earth is not flat you just have to show them you don't need to attack the person to prove them wrong you don't need to destroy a person's um dignity to yeah. to have a useful discussion you could have somebody who's wrong and show them that they're wrong. The way we teach kids, we don't say, you're stupid little kid for not knowing how to do math. Right. You that teach them math. That that's doesn't how you serve anything. And, cause, and that's how we teach a lot of students too. Is well, That's what I mean by kid students. Yeah, kid <laughs> students. I, 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 I was I, ageism. That oh, was a, no. a little uh, my prejudice coming out. <laughs> But you're, you're right. You actually hit on something really interesting there was because I remember in school, they would teach us in steps and they would teach us the way humanity found out about this stuff. You know, in physics, uh -huh. they teach you, this is what we believe first. And then we did this and then we learned this and then we did this and we learned this. And you, all of a sudden you get this very complex and nuanced version based on how we as a society came to learn it because all the people that made incremental uh, advancements in something like molecular theory had to learn everything before as if it was the truth and uh -huh. yeah, I applied scientific method to it or you know just skepticism before it was codified and they added that to what was before so they're building on smaller pieces and that sort of gets back to our abstractions episode where you're yeah. taking small fundamental blocks that are are knowably useful and then you make something more complex out of them. Right. And I think make going telling when a kid figures out um, Bohr's atomic theory, which actually I don't think it lasted very long in the uh, as a model, like not long at all. And the kid figures it out. Oh, and Adam's like this. You don't like slap and be like, oh, you're so stupid for knowing that and for thinking that, blah, blah, blah. And the same thing is, is if I go and learn uh, like something I don't know, like math, mathematics. If I decide when I'm 50 to say, you know what? I never properly learned mathematics. I'm going to go take a night course. And if I get a, you know, if I figure something out and go, is it like this? And they'll be like, no, you're stupid for finding it out. I'm going to be less likely to go forward and learn anything new. I'm going to be less likely to um, try anything. And I'm just going to be bitter about the rebuke. And so when we encounter um, a skepticism to something that's so 
accepted and so easily provable, we tend to just be jerks about it, um, which is kind of a normal human reaction. But at the same time, we should be mature about this. And this is part of letting everyone speak, uh, or at least letting them finish speak before you drop the hammer of math upon their heads. Or, uh, you know, skepticism. I don't know about that. Why? Because you didn't cite any sources. <laughs> Could you, I'll let you go back, find sources. And they, like, you get this in history. It's like, oh, I think this happened and this happened and this happened. It's like, well, where did you get these concepts? Like, I don't think you're completely wrong, but you didn't cite any sources. They do that a lot in history, actually, where they paint context out of their idea of how things were, having never been there, though. So, like, depending on what you study as far as history, like, if all you study is historical wars, you're going to think that people just did nothing but fight back then. But there were love and marriages and, you know, tribes did have treaties and And people did get together and organize themselves productively. That's a a very... Context changes based on what you study. Yeah, it's a very good criticism of a lot of the uh, historical work because, you know, you get a military historian looking at military history and everyone's like, oh, well, you're only looking at the military. But then... Um, An economist looks at it very differently, though. Like, as was, a historical economist, I see things very differently from yeah, war. But at the same time, a lot of there's a lot of good historians out there like... Um, let's see here. Uh, Richard J. Evans, I just, uh, about a year ago, I read his Third Reich trilogy and he goes through the culture. He goes through the Uh military history. He goes through, uh, the economy. He goes through, you know, art. He goes through every aspect Uh, of Lex Friedman actually just mentioned that too the other day. Oh, really? Yeah. He's, it was such a good trilogy. I went out and bought another one of his books because I loved that trilogy so much. Uh, And um, you had a journalist on there who'd interviewed Trump and that guy couldn't speak highly enough of that, that, uh, series. Oh, but for, like you said, for the, the picture it painted, it was so mm-hmm. broad and, and so excruciatingly detailed. Mm-hmm. And when you, but he had good sources. A lot of them were, uh, a lot of them were just boring, banal archival sources of like, you know, troop movements. A lot of them were archival footage and archival documents, but he also had interviews from people that were actually there. He used uh, like William Shire's work and a lot of uh, just everything he could get his hands on. He did, he put it together in a picture. So you, but when somebody doesn't do that, you can be skeptical. Now, if they don't do that and still paint an interesting picture, then you could say, could you go back, polish that up, because the lack of sources is triggering my skepticism. Oh, I don't like that word. Uh, <laughs> I think that it, might be a little bit lazy, though. Be like the person who brought forth all the ideas in the picture and say, like, I think you need to do it for me. I think you need to check all the like. It, it should be just yeah. as easy for us to go verify what somebody right. else says. So even but if they at don't the have same sources, time, we could. Like, it's easy to. It's sometimes it's easier to ask. What are your sources for this? And they go. What do you mean? It's oh like, yeah, you could definitely ask. And they'll be like, I expect the other like, person to do it though. Oh man, I totally forgot the bibliography, <laughs> which yeah. happens. Um, or There's they'll be like, asking. I'm just like, or they'll say something like, notice that when I make an argument to them, and they'll say, "Where's your sources?" And I'll be like, 
well, it's kind of known that there was a financial crisis in 2008. I don't need one source to say that it started in 2007 because Lehman Brothers fell. Well, how do you know that? Well, was it yeah. the New York Times, Financial Times, Washington? Everybody said it. Like, well, that's that burden of proof, which often is, it's so annoying sometimes because it's like yeah. the other side will make a, a, a claim and you'll say, and, they'll, and you'll make a claim and they'll be like, well, you know, you're just saying that because this, and you'll be like, or where's your proof that that's actually a thing? It's like, wait, what do you mean? You didn't provide any proof for your side either. Yeah. <laughs> it's like all, and we're talking at a bus stop. So, and it's one thing if you can't find the evidence, like if you looked because you heard them say it and you can't find any source of it anywhere, then obviously, yeah. Hey right. dude, nobody in the world said there was a financial crisis in 2007. So can you tell me how you came to that conclusion? Like that's right. perfectly legitimate. Yeah. But there are a lot of people that are, are just legitimately lazy about their own education, where they mm -hmm. will wait for other people to present them with everything that they need for their own judgment, when they should be pursuing it actively as a, as a daily endeavor. Right. And it's, I think that part of it is time and place, this propriety, um, mm. which I might have brought up before. But uh, a lot of um, a lot of it's like if you're talking at a bus stop, skepticism might not be the best rhetorical tool because that leans more towards casual discussion than scholarly debate and like uh, still be skeptical obviously yeah. but it do it doesn't mean you know you end the conversation because of your skepticism though because that's just right lazy. it's fruitless and then i think that makes it is that skepticism isn't something you should be using as a instrument for every little thing in your life. Yes, you should apply skepticism to your own meta uh, life. Like, what am I doing? Apply skepticism onto yourself to master yourself. The um, self-awareness aspect. Yeah. Of, but yeah. at the same time, it's not, it's only necessary really when you are doing that or when you are in need of a decision or in need of you have some sort of problem you're in you have some sort of um question and oftentimes you don't need that it's like should i get that bread or should i get that bread i'll read the bread bags and see which one i get i like yeah, rye bread and see what's on the ingredients yeah like one of them's got polysorbic acetylosilicic acid or something in it and the other one's just grain you know that might help you make a decision yeah but at the same time if it says you know gibbity globbity gloop acid and you're just like and the other one just says grain i'm like I am very suspicious Skeptical. of the one that says grain. <laughs> that can't just be grain. Ingredients, soup. Hmm. So it's like that, when when you buy fish or crab meat that has no fish or crab in it, you're, you're like, huh? <laughs> yeah. And that I think is uh, what, like that's an everyday skepticism. That's mm -hmm. a, and definitely. That's the maturity thing you were talking about. Yeah. And so if, 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 if you read a label and it's something doesn't seem right, be skeptical and apply that to it. Okay. I have a question. What the heck is grain? <laughs> uh, okay. Hypothesis. It's 
grain uh test i can't test it i have to open the bag and buy it and i'm not willing to buy the bread go and test it in my super secret lab in my basement it's like ah but then you remember you have the internet you can just look it up yeah okay so (laughs) let's uh, see where this factory is let's see who their suppliers are let's see what their annual revenues are let's see where they bag things let's see the employees they have like analysis to check on this bread company is owned by russia nope not buying that bread (laughs) or Or like food from the dollar store from china yeah (laughs) like they they don't have safety checks there and they only check one percent of the food that comes abroad so don't buy your food in a dollar store just saying well in the um China is an interesting uh, thing to mention here because skepticism is, if you've seen their media, it's actively not encouraged there. Oh, Uh, you know what? Sorry to interrupt. Maybe we should get into um, political skepticism and religious skepticism after a a quick break. Because that'll probably be the remaining chunk of our time, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, Let's do that. So we'll see you guys in part two.